great stuff. Brilliant, well good to see you guys this morning. And uh, have you guys been in, enjoying the sunshine this week? Yeah? Good. Yeah, me too. It's lovely, isn't it? And it's, uh, it's great. It just seems to keep on going and long may it continue. I don't know about you guys, but it feels great to, to get out in the garden or to, to go down to the beach and, um, and just to be outside with the, with the sunshine. It makes such a difference um, when the, the sunshine doesn't, it? especially falls at half term for you guys who've been on holiday and uh, you've got the week off and the sunshine with your holiday too, even better. I don't know what your, um, your ideal day would be. Um, I imagine it would be with the sun shining, but um, if we can pop it up, maybe it would be something like uh, one of these. There we go. So, as you see, every picture, there's no, not a drop of rain, is there? Not a drop of rain to be seen. Maybe you'd, maybe you'd like going out in the sunshine shopping with your girly friends or playing golf or football or uh, relaxing at the beach or going out surfing or taking in a concert, whatever it might be. The sun is shining. Uh, is that you, Kieran? Is that what you're, you're pointing it out to Bo? It's, it's you on the waves. Is that... <laughs> you wish it was. That's <laughs> no, good. But, the, you know, I don't know what your perfect day would look like, but I imagine that the sun would be shining and it would be a chance that for you to be able to forget about your to-do list, to be able to forget about all of the stress of life, to allow it just to fade away and to have that one perfect day. It'd be pretty good, wouldn't it? But apart from that rare perfect day, how many of you would say that life so often feels a little bit more like this? I'm a little stressed right now. Just turn around and leave quietly and no one gets hurt. Now imagine for some of you that that picture sums up life pretty well and that for nearly all of us will have moments in life when we feel like that. You know, and so often the, the truth can be that we end up struggling through life trying to fit in as much as we possibly can, trying to cram in something into every moment. You know, you, you get up and then you get up late in the morning and uh, you've got to rush to get ready. And then because you're running late, every little tiny thing It's just an irritation, isn't it, that comes in your way. You know, the children come and ask you a question. They're nothing wrong, but they ask you a question and you snap at them because you're in a rush and you've got to get ready for work. You can't find your car keys and you're hunting around everywhere. And to top it all off, they were in your pocket the entire time. And it just drives you crazy. And then you're set off and you're on your way to work and everybody in the road seems to be driving about five miles an hour below the speed limit. And you're just there, kind of stressed. I've got to get to work. I've got to get to where. I need to be going. And every delay drives us crazy. I don't know if you've ever had a day like that. Maybe you can tell that I've had one or two. You know, Michael uh, McIntyre, I don't know if you've come across Michael McIntyre, the comedian, he has a great sketch where he talks about trying to leave the house with children. And, uh, and it kind of sums up, you know, how we can so often feel uh, when we're, we're bombarded with this constant kind of pressure of trying to get things done, trying to get out on time, trying to fit more in, and then all these different difficulties, these different things come in the way which hold us back and which slow us down. And how it can make even something as simple as leaving the house a great kind of stressful activity. The thing is, it's funny because it's true, isn't it? You know, whether you've got children or not, You know, we can relate to that kind of situation, those times in life when it just seems like there is too much going on and we can't fit it all in. And something has got to give. We feel like we need to get away and go on holiday and just drop everything. 
And yet at the same time, at the same time as kind of needing that kind of break and to drop everything, having to wait for something drives us crazy. You know, it's almost like there's this need become built within us to constantly be doing something. And it's become a part of who we are. To, and when we're forced to stop, it's, it can be one of the most agonizing things in the world. Um, most of you will know um, Rosie and I moved house about three weeks ago. And uh, for the first two and a half weeks, uh, we had problems getting our phone line transferred over. And so we had no landline. So if anybody's tried to ring me, I'm sorry. My mobile's working. The landline works now, but it, it wasn't for a while. But even more importantly, we had no internet. None at all. And it's amazing how much relies on the internet these days, isn't it? You know, um, Rosie and I don't have a TV license, and so instead we'll watch things on Netflix or on, on catch-up um, and, and that kind of thing. And so with no landline for the internet, what we tried to do, we tried to get it running through the internet on my mobile phone. Um, and it worked, kind of. Um, you know, one night Rosie and I, we sat down and we tried to, to watch a film. And uh, we, we set it all up. We managed to get the film loaded up. It was all there, ready to go, pressed play. We got through about the first four minutes, and then it stopped. And that little circle appeared, and it starts spinning. And the numbers start going up. And we watched as they rose to about 25%, and then it just seemed to grind to a halt. So we came out, and we reloaded it. We went back in. We fast-forwarded through those four minutes. We started watching it. Right, we'll be okay. Four minutes exactly later, it stopped. And that little circle appears. And it went on like this for about half an hour until I just gave up. And it literally was. I timed it. Every four minutes, we were having to stop. And it drove me crazy. I just, you know, so irritating when those things come and interrupt what it is that you're wanting to do. And get in the way of what it is that you're trying to do. We want things to be available. We want things to be instant. And in the midst of our busy and stressful lives, when things come and interrupt us and get in the way, or when things slow us down and make us wait, it drives us crazy. I think the best word that I could think of that sums up why, um, why life can so often seem like this is that life uh, so often seems unrelenting. I don't know if anybody feels like that sometimes, that life is just unrelenting, that there is no let up. And it might be unrelenting with busyness, but actually it can just as easily be unrelenting with worries or fears or health problems. With that sense, is whatever it is, is that sense of being hit by one thing after another. Meaning that we're left feeling worn out and beaten down by life. And when life gets like that, what I find so often is that we, we try and distract ourselves from the problems. And we, we try and switch off from the business. And the way that we do that is by surrounding ourselves with entertainment. By filling our minds with other things to just kind of help to distract us from what it is that's, that's going on, to help us to forget for that little bit of time. You know, but while that gets us away, while that helps us to forget, while that distracts us, so often I find that I certainly, and maybe you do too, rarely actually rest. We rarely actually stop and know peace. And it's almost like in the midst of all of the pressure of life, we need to learn again how to make rest a part of our daily lives. And we've been going through a a series the last couple of weeks called By Royal Invitation, looking at the great invitation that God offers to you and to me. 
And, and this morning, I want to look at an invitation that Jesus makes, and we find it in Matthew 11, verses 28 to 30. It's the well-known verses because it's a precious invitation. And this is what Jesus starts by saying in verse 28. He says, come to me. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Isn't that a beautiful invitation? Do you feel weary or tired or burdened or worn out with life today? You know, if that's where you're at, then Jesus is saying, come to me. Come to me. Jesus is saying, no matter what you've done in life, no matter what mistakes you've made, no matter how you might be feeling, no matter what pressure you're under, no matter what jobs are in front of you, no matter what it is ever is going on in life right now, I want you to come to me. I want you to lay out your life before me. And I want you to allow me to get involved. Because I've got the ability to turn it around. I've got the ability to give you rest and peace and life. You know, when Jesus says this, he's speaking to a mixed, a mixed bag of people, much like we are. You know, people who are carrying all kinds of pressures, people who are facing all kinds of disappointments. You know, people who are overtaxed and are struggling to make ends meet financially. People who are treated like slaves and who have difficult work environments. Uh, People who are weighed down by the expectations of society and the expectations of other people and are tired out from trying to match up to them. And he says to them, come to me. Come to me. He's saying, look, you've been running in life in all these different directions, filling your life with all of these different things. But what I want you to do is to turn around and come to me. Come to me, all you who are worn out and beaten down by life. Who are struggling to keep going. All you who are tired and stressed. Come to me and I will give you rest. I will give you relief. Come to me and you will recover life. Does anyone feel in need of some rest or relief or life this morning? Jesus' invitation to you is come to me. Draw near to me. I have everything that you need. The great thing is as as we look on to the next kind of couple of verses, he doesn't just leave it as a vague invitation. But actually, he begins to unpack and explain to us what that looks like, how it is that we come to him, what drawing near to him for rest looks like so that we can experience it. And so he says in in verses 29 to 30, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So if we want to respond to Jesus' invitation to come to him, to find rest and relief and to experience what it is that is on offer, then we've got to pay attention to how he's saying that we can do it. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Now that statement on its own for most of you here today is probably as clear as mud. Probably doesn't make an awful lot of sense at all. You probably don't, you know, I helped in, in the slightest to know how to do that. 
It's not the easiest imagery for us to connect with today. Even for those of us who know what a yoke is, it's a rare day when we'll actually see one in use. So this is a picture of what Jesus is talking about here. If we can have that up, that'd be great. If you can see the carved bit of wood over the, the necks of the two kind of cows and the, the little loops that, that go underneath them to kind of hold them together and to tie them together. That's what a yoke is, that bit of wood. And the yoke was used as a tool so that the cow or the ox's strength could be, be put to use pulling a great weight. And by fastening the two cows together, they could pull a greater weight than either of them could possibly hope to do on their own. So Jesus is taking something that everybody in his day understood. Everybody in his day would have been familiar with. To do with carrying loads. To do with carrying weights. To do with burdens that weighed them down. And he's saying, if you want to experience rest, then take my yoke upon you. Yoke yourself to me. So Jesus... It's bizarre in so many ways because he takes something which is associated with hard work, with labor, with weights, with burden, with everything which is the opposite of rest. And he says, if you put my yoke on, you'll find relief, you'll find rest, you'll find peace, you'll find life. So how does that work? You know, when we're already feeling worn out, when we're already feeling beaten down by life, how does taking on a yoke that's all about bearing weight and carrying weight bring us relief? How is it that Jesus' yoke is easy and light? Well, here's one of the things that it's easy for us to miss because we're we're not familiar with them. You know, when a farmer bought a, a new young ox... He didn't try and, and just put the, the ox in a yoke and set him to work. He didn't even try and, and yoke him alongside another young ox and, and set them to work. Now what, what he would do is he would take the young ox and he would get hold of a yoke and he would yoke the young ox to an older, mature ox. And the yoke would be set up in such a way that the greater proportion of the weight would go onto the shoulders of the mature, strong ox. So while the young ox was sat up there in the yoke and had this great weight behind him that was attached to the yoke that he had to pull, he never had to do it alone. And in fact, he doesn't even have to pull half of the weight. It's set up so that the young ox never has to pull more weight than it's able to manage. And all of the rest falls on the shoulders of the older, mature ox. So that he is given time to grow and to learn how to do the work. You know, it's a bit like, uh, we've done lots of carrying and heavy lifting with moving and things, but it's a little like when children come along and they want to be helpful. And you're there and you're carrying a big heavy table or a, or a box or, or whatever it is, and they, they run over and they say, Daddy, Daddy, can we help you carry that? And you kind of roll your eyes and think, oh dear, if I have to. Okay, and so you, you show them where they can put their hands, and you pick it up, but you hold it in such a way that all of the weight is on you. And it, it doesn't matter really what they do, they, they can let go, they can hold it wherever they like, and you hold it in such a way that there is no way that that table or that box is ever going to fall. And they help you along, and you, you carry it and you put it down where it needs to be. You know, and so when Jesus says, take my yoke upon you, he's saying, trust me. Let go of the weight of expectations. Let go of the weight of trying to match up. Let go of the weight of worry and the weight of the jobs and the future and all of the pressure that you're under and take my yoke upon you. 
Yoke yourself to me so that I can share the load. So that I can take the weight. And you don't have to carry more than you can manage. So that you're freed to grow and to learn. So that you can find rest for your souls. So that you can be refreshed and restored and discover joy in life again. Jesus is inviting us to trust him with the weight that we feel we're carrying. With those things which hold us down. To stop trying to carry that weight on our own and to struggle through life. But instead to yoke ourselves to him. To walk with him. To allow him to take on the load. So the starting point, if we want to experience the rest that Jesus is offering to us, is inviting us to, is just to come to Jesus and to share our burdens with him. To live life in a moment-by-moment relationship with him. Yet the great thing is that Jesus actually invites us to even more than that. That he doesn't stop there. He invites us to more than just sharing the weight of life that we feel we're carrying. And he says, learn from me. You know, and just as the young ox would learn from the older ox how to best pull the weight, how to manage the load, Jesus is inviting us to learn from him. To look at how he handles the pressures of life and start to follow his example. And it's one of the amazing things that always, I always marvel at. It's about Jesus. About our great God. Is that he's not a distant God who's just made us and then kind of stands from afar watching out how we live our lives and and helping us out now and again. But Jesus chose to become like us. He became human and he walked on this earth. He grew up as a child and he knows what it is to be in a family and all of the different challenges and the difficulties of that. He learned a trade and he worked long hours as a carpenter for years. And then as we read about his life in the Bible and we discover the way how he he traveled around and the way in which he ministered to people, what we also discover is that he is a person who is under constant pressure. You know, wherever he went, crowds would gather around him. They would follow him and seek him out. You have times where he's tried to get alone and he arrives on the boat at the shore and the crowd's already there before him, demanding more from him. And because of his profile, because of the role that he had and his radical teaching, he was regularly misunderstood and criticized and judged and ridiculed. Now, he had an enormous amount of pressure and stress in his life. And yet, as we look at how he lived, we also discover that he was never in a hurry, he was never in a rush, he was never worried, he was never fearful. But he remained at peace. He was at ease. He knew rest, even in the midst of the pressures of life. So as we look at Jesus, we can learn from him. We can learn from his example something about of living a life that knows rest and is at peace. So what does that kind of a life look like? And there's a huge amount of different things we could talk about. And I I want to unpack one very briefly and then just really encourage you to to approach things with a question so you can do it on your own. Now, one of the things that we we see consistently, though, 
in the midst of all of the busyness, in the midst of the crowds, is that Jesus proactively sought out times to be alone. It was his priority, it was a priority to him to get alone and to spend time in prayer. To spend time with God the Father. You know, right at the beginning of of Mark's account of Jesus' life, in Mark 1 verse 35, we read that it was early in the morning while it was still dark and Jesus got up, left the house and went away to a secluded place and was praying there. You know, prayer was a priority for Jesus. He knew that he needed time alone with his heavenly father. It wasn't optional. And yet when life becomes pressured and feels unrelenting, I know how easy it is for prayer to be the first thing that's squeezed out. And if we want to experience the rest that Jesus is inviting us to, then we first have to respond how he asks us to. When he says, come to me. Come away from all of the busyness. Come away from all of the demands of life. Come away and spend time with me. Make me the one that you look to, and I will give you rest. I will give you rest. Now, there is nothing more important and nothing more precious in the midst of an unrelenting life than to carve out time to pray. To carve out time just to sit with your Heavenly Father and to know his love for you. You know, as you hand over all of your worries, all of your burdens, all of the weight that you've been carrying to receive in return his strength and his grace as he takes the load on. Now, but while spending time in prayer is absolutely essential, I think when you read the accounts of Jesus' life and the different events and the different things that happen, if we approach it all, and this is what I want to encourage you to do, if you approach it all with a question of what it is, what can we learn from him? What can we learn from his example of how to live a life that is at rest and is at peace? then we will find that in almost every single different event, in almost every single different encounter, there are principles that are there that jump out that we can learn from. So I want to encourage you, the next time that you're sat reading Matthew or Mark or Luke or John, you're reading about Jesus, have that question in mind. What can I learn from the example of Jesus about living a life that knows rest and peace? Learn from him. Help me get an idea of what I mean. I thought it would be good just to look at a couple of verses together. So we're going to look at an event um, that we read about in Luke 8, verses 40 to 48. I'm not going to read it all, but I'm just going to draw out a couple of things to, to give you an example of what I mean. So we read at the beginning of, um, in verse 40. It says, Now when Jesus returned, a crowd welcomed him, for they were all expecting him. Then a man named Jairus, a synagogue leader, came and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come to his house, because his only daughter, a girl of about 12, was dying. So just picture the scene for a second. There's this, Jesus has just arrived in a place, and a crowd has already gathered there in anticipation. They're there ready to meet him. They're there wanting to hear what it is God has say. They're there wanting to see the miracles that are happening, and they're pressing in all around him. And in the midst of this, this important man in the community, this leader in the community, squeezes through and comes to see Jesus. And he begs Jesus to come and help him. He begs Jesus, saying, my daughter is dying. Please come and heal her. You know, you can imagine the urgency that must have been in his voice. 
You can imagine how he, how quickly he wanted Jesus to come and to, to get to his daughter, how desperate he was to be there. And they're, they're, they're traveling on their way and the crowds are, are crushing in around them and Jesus is trying to make his way across town. And do you know what? how I would be feeling? I would be frustrated with the crowd. Get out of my way. I've got to get somewhere. I need to do something. This girl needs my help and trying to push through and get there. But Jesus isn't anything like that. The crowd's crushing in on every side and Jesus notices something that everybody else misses. Someone has touched him. So he stops and he asks, who's touched me? And Peter and the others, they're a bit bemused because there's a crowd everywhere. Everybody's touching him. But Jesus knows that someone has touched him. Someone has reached out to him in hope. Someone has reached out to him in faith that he can help them. And there's this woman there that no one's noticed. And she comes forward trembling. And she falls at Jesus' feet and she begins to, to say in front of the entire crowd and to, to talk about the humiliating illness that she's been struggling with and, and how she's been instantly healed. And then while Jesus is taking time with her and he's stopped there and he's talking with her and he's talking about all that's going on, someone comes from Jairus' house. He says, it's now too late. Your daughter has died. And if you want to read on in the story, it's a great story and you'll discover that for Jesus it's never too late. It's never too late for Jesus. But there are a couple of principles that I think we learn from how Jesus handles things here. And the first principle that I think we we learn from Jesus is that tasks never override people. Jesus is on his way. He's on a mission He's got a sense of urgency. He's got something that he needs to do. He's walking through town with purpose. And a person crosses his path who needs his help. And what we discover that for Jesus, tasks never override people. Jesus knew how to hit the pause button in life when it came to ministering to the people around him. Everything else went on hold because somebody needed his help. People mattered more than any project. And let me ask you a question. Think back over the last week and the interactions and the conversations that you've had with your husband or your wife or with your children or your colleagues or your friends. At any point, did you dismiss them or snap at them or speak to them hurtfully as you focused on the task that was in front of you? As you focused on what it is that you wanted to achieve in that moment in the midst of an unrelenting life. And this is the thing. Love and hurry are incompatible. Love takes time. And time is something that people whose lives are crammed full as they try and juggle all of the balls simply don't have. If we're going to be a people who follow Jesus' example and respond to others in love, then we first have to learn how to slow down and live a life that knows rest. So the first principle is tasks never override people. 
The second principle I think we learn from Jesus in his encounter with a woman who touched him is to be sensitive to the people around you. Now, as you read about what happens, and, and Jesus asks this question, who touched me? You get the sense, don't you, of Peter's frustration as there's this whole crowd that are around him touching him. How do you know someone's touched you? What do you mean? Everybody's touching you. But Jesus was sensitive to the people around him. And he was particularly sensitive to their needs. I don't know how many of you have ever been along to a, a crowded football match or a, a concert. Or maybe even just on something like the London Underground. And, and one of those situations where the, the crowds are all around you. And it's, it can be pretty scary sometimes, can't it? I, I've been in a few of different ones. I remember going along to... Um, I was talking to Tony about it the other night, going along to Old Trafford. Um, there was about 70,000 or so people there to watch a, um, a testimonial game for an old player called Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. And, um, and when you get caught in a crowd like that, and everybody's heading in one direction, the chances of you spotting someone that you've arranged to meet and to, to go and try and find them is slim to none. If you want to try and get somewhere and the crowd is not going there, it is near impossible. If you want to walk slowly and they're going quick, no chance. They'll carry you with you. If you want to go quick and they're going slow, no chance. The person in front of you is not moving. And when you are in a crowd, when you are in one of those kind of situations, our ability to notice things is almost non-existent. We, we're just surrounded by all of this different stuff. On every single side. And it's the same way when, that when life begins to feel unrelenting. When our minds become full of all of this different stuff and these different jobs and these different worries and these different concerns, it crowds out our ability to notice little things. It crowds out our ability to notice God's prompting. To notice the divine appointments that he set up for us with individual people. To notice the people that God has put in our path to minister to, to care for and to show his love. You know, God wants to work through you. And he wants to work through me. To show his love to the people around us. And yet so often we miss it. Because we just don't see it. Because those opportunities are crowded out by everything else that is going on. You know, one of the great things is that as God gives us this invitation, as he says to us, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. At the same time, he's also commissioning us to be his inviters, to be his invitation givers, to have our eyes open and to be sensitive to the people around us, to look for those who are weary, to look for those who are burdened, to look for those who are worn out in life, and to offer them Jesus' invitation. To say that Jesus is saying to you, come to me and I will give you rest. What a great invitation we have to offer in the midst of such a busy, busy world. But first we need to be sensitive to the people around us. We need to look at others with eyes of love. And the problem is that a crowded life, a hurried life, a stressed life kills love. It is one of the greatest enemies of the spiritual life that God intends for us. It prevents us from slowing down enough to stop and to spend time with God And to know his love for us and to receive his strength and his grace for us so that we're not weighed down and burdened and struggling ourselves. But it also robs us of the opportunity to give out of God's love 
to the people around us. That's why when we look at the example of Jesus, when we look at the example that he sets, and what it is that we can learn from him, one of the things that we discover is that despite all of the pressure that he faced, despite all of the crowds around him, all of the urgent things he had to do, he never hurried. He never rushed. He was never stressed. He always made time for people and time to spend in prayer. And the thing is that, you know, slowing down in life, it sounds simple, but actually the reality is it's pretty hard. And so I want to finish by leaving with a, a few practical ideas, and some of them are a little bit silly, um, but they, they are things that if you have been feeling under pressure, if you have been feeling rushed, they will grate with you, and you won't like them. And it will be a red flag to you that there's an issue there. It will make you aware and force you to do something about it and to make changes. So, the first few are a little bit silly, um, but as I say, I think they'd work. Number one, eat your food slowly for a week. You know, I, when I was a, a student at music college, um, there was a, another student called Maddie who was from Australia and she lived across the corridor from me. Um, and once a week or so, we'd get together with our flatmates and we'd all cook each other um, a meal. And Maddie couldn't believe how fast I used to eat. And she used to always comment on it. And in the end, she gave me a challenge that every time you were eating a meal with me, I want you to try and chew each mouthful 10 times, swallow it, take a sip of water, all before you take the next mouthful. Okay, and so, so that was a challenge to me. Now I have to say, I was never very good at obeying that challenge. I've never really managed it very well, but it is a good way to slow down. So try it out. Chew each mouthful ten times, swallow it, take a sip of water before you take the next one. Force yourself to slow down, to rest, to take time. Number two, cut the words, hurry up, out of your vocabulary. Now, for those of you who are parents, that's probably going to be more difficult than for others. It's certainly a phrase that comes up a lot in in our household, that's for sure. Number three, for the next month, don't just stick to the speed limit, but drive in the slow lane. Don't weave out into the fast lane to try and overtake people. Don't try and pressure the car in front of you by driving up right behind them. Or if you see a traffic light, and I'm, I'm horrendous for this, if you see a traffic light turning to amber, don't put your foot down, put your foot on the brake, Okay? If there's one place where I feel like my rushing is pretty obvious, it's probably with my driving. And number four, and this is the most important one. Start taking solitary moments. Time alone as part of your day. Three or four times a day. Just stop and get alone. Turn off the computer, the iPad, the tablet, the phone, whatever it is. And reflect on God. Take just a few minutes in prayer. You know, Jesus modeled to us the need to take time to unplug from the busyness and the pressures and the stress and to focus on the Father. To keep ourselves focused on him and not allow ourselves to become focused on all of the burdens. So three or four times a day, practice taking time to focus on God. Listen to him. Receive his love for you. Receive his grace and his strength. Let him fill you with his spirit again. Just ask to be refreshed. Love him back. And from that place, you will have so much more to give.
Now, I think so many of us have grown to accept the fact that life is unrelenting. And we just think it's the norm. We've gotten used to it. We're used to being worn out. We're used to being beaten down. But today, Jesus is wanting to tell you that he does not intend for life to be like that. That it doesn't have to be that way. He is offering you a great invitation. And he's saying, come to me. Draw near to me. Trust in me. Learn from me. And as you do, you will find rest. So I just want to finish this morning by giving an opportunity for you to respond to Jesus' invitation, for you to come to him this morning, to submit to him, to give over to him the weights and the burdens and the concerns that you've been carrying, whatever they might be, to allow him to take that on his shoulders, which are so much stronger than ours, to guide you on the right steps to take forwards and to give you rest. God does not intend for you to go through life feeling like it's unrelenting, but to know his peace, his rest, and his life. So I just want to give an opportunity for you just to respond in your hearts. To respond to his invitation. Jesus says, come to me. That requires something of us. He's asking us to do something. So come to him in your hearts. And I'm going to pray for you. Lord Jesus, we want to thank you. We want to thank you for your love for us and your care for us. We want to thank you, Lord, that whoever we are, however we might be feeling, whatever we are facing, you right now are coming alongside us and making the invitation for us to yoke ourselves to you, to hand over to you and put on your shoulders the weight of the burden in our lives. And so, Lord, right now we want to do that. We draw near to you and just in your hearts, just bring to God now the different things that have been going on in life that have weighed you down. The busyness, the pressures, the health problems, the fears. Hand them over to him. Know that he is more than able to carry it. Know that his love for you is so great that however small it is, if it's been bothering you, he cares. Lord Jesus, I just pray that you would help us to be a people who who trust you, who walk through life with you, who know your rest and your peace. I pray you would help us to not allow ourselves to get caught up again in all of the busyness and to allow time with you to be squeezed out. God, I pray you would help us to learn from you how to slow down, how to put people before tasks. How to be sensitive to those around us, how to reach out to them in love with your great invitation. Help us as we we read about you, not just to to do it as a, a job that we think needs to be done, but as we do it to learn from your example. And to begin to put those kind of things into practice. Lord Jesus, we love you. I just ask now that you would pour out your spirit on each person here. You would refresh and renew and revive their souls.
that they would leave this place knowing that your yoke is easy and your burden is light. In Jesus' name, Lord. Amen. Amen. Fantastic. Um, Just before we finish, um, some of you will know from... um, emails that have been going out that there are a number of people in the, in the church at the moment who are struggling health-wise and I just thought it would be great to be able to pray for them together to know that God's heart is, is for them and, and for them to know that we're standing with them um, you'll know um, I sent an email out about Matt yesterday, Matt Took uh, he's still in hospital today um, waiting an x-ray um, he's been on an IV overnight um, and things I haven't spoken to him this morning so I'm not sure what the latest is this morning but um, but it would be great to pray for, for him. The latest is that he's being kept in a bit longer. He's being kept um, in longer. And that he's not allowed to do any work for two weeks. Okay. So he's out, out, signed off work for two weeks, still, you in, still in hospital for an, at least another 24 hours okay. until he's in remission. And then he's got to have a bit of a rest after. Okay, great. So it would be great to pray for him. Uh, it would be great to pray for Susanna. Um, and uh, maybe if you're near Susanna, you want to come and lay hands on Susanna. She's going in for a, an operation tomorrow. For Sarah, that's an email out to do with her eye. Um, and you'll know people yourself um, and people in your own life. So I just thought it would be great, maybe just if, we, if you're able just to stand together and, and just to pray all at once um, for each one of these different guys, for God to move in their lives and to bring healing to them. Go for it.